Everybody loves bonsai, but not the ever-growing number of tools you need to do it. <sighs> Hi, Evan Pardue here with the amazing Bamboo Chopstick. It's the most efficient and effective bonsai tool you'll ever use. What? Just cut yourself a cylinder of bamboo from around, trim it down to the size you need, and you're ready to go. Use it to repot your trees, clean the surface of your soil, crank down your guy wires, and to point at things and show your friends what you like about your bonsai. Would you look at that? It works like magic, helping you compress your soil, and it's perfect for finding air pockets. It takes the hard work out of bonsai garden work. Its straight grain, fibers, and natural shell give you muscle you need when pushing soil around your roots. Acquire now and get your amazing bamboo chopstick. Wow! And if you acquire now, you'll also get a confident yes that this is the best tool you'll add to your bonsai tool collection. Yes! And if you know somebody with large bamboo growing in their garden, it's practically free. <laughs> this is not a real ad, just good advice. Please do not call any numbers, do not contact any websites. Practically forget you ever heard it. Thanks for listening to Little Things for Bonsai People and putting up with their shenanigans. And now on to the episode. Bonsai friends, this is Evan Pardue of Underhill Bonsai, and welcome to episode 48 of Little Things for Bonsai People. And today I am joined by my co-host, Lesko Viansky, Carmen Lesko Viansky. For some reason, I've gotten into this weird habit of just saying your last name. Lesko Viansky's here today. Hey, Lesko Viansky. Let's go. It's like we're a sports team now. I, I tried to speech to, uh, speech to text your name, and it said, uh, let's go Pinsky, like a Pinsky truck. Oh, let's go Pinsky. What if yeah. it was like, let's go and ski? Like that might be more fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you, so you've had this last name all your life. You're used to the jokes. No, I haven't. <laughs> Only for 13 years. Oh yeah, that that's a yeah. good long time though. I forgot. It is. Feels like forever. Yeah, I'm sorry. I forgot that you were uh, that you were married into that name. That's a good name, though. <laughs> well, my my maiden name was Tracy, and so people would be like, they would like mistake it as my first name, and I got oh. tired of it. So when I got married, I was like, they'll never mess this name up as my first name, which is true, but also nobody can say it. So yeah, well, there's that. You got you showed them. Uh, I showed them. <laughs> anyway, how are you doing today, Carmen? Oh, you know, I'm sick. I've been sick since nationals, but uh hanging in there so if i sound funny today sorry everybody i'm just still sick yeah but. well it happens you get around a lot of people uh there's bound to be something um yeah, this won't go away <laughs> yeah um but yeah before we get too far into our topic uh which is a revisit of a revisit of the critiques we were doing on the previous episode. So we were going through and looking at trees at the eighth national bonsai exhibition and just kind of giving our critiques on it. Not, not to take that and say that, uh, we're saying anything bad about the trees. We're just, this is a good thing to do is to go through, go through and talk about bonsai and it'll improve our skills as bonsai practitioners and improve your eye because in order to view art and critique art, you have to talk about it. Uh, yep. But before we get too far, like I said, we need to thank our amazing patrons over up on, over on patreon.com forward slash little things for bonsai people. Um, it's not actually, is it? 
Oh, I have .com behind Little Things for Bonsai People as well. But if you go over to Patreon, look up Little Things for Bonsai People. It's there. Uh, you can head on over there and become a top tier level currently, which is $5. $5 foot long to get your name shouted out at the beginning of every episode of Little Things. Starting out our full list with Tori Solis, Vicky Off. Boyd Snellgrove, Ricky Ruins, Joshua Bentley, Snappy Chappers, Joel Jenkins, Justin Knight, Backyard, Bonsai Australia, Greenwich Gardens, Taylor Peacock, Ch Chase Pertweet, Austin Atkins, Karen Coswell, uh, Yurun N, Louis, Louis Torres, AC Castle, Bonsai Marine, Bonsai Marine, sorry, Jazz Potts or J-A-S Potts, Chris Fassoon, and Timothy Arsenal. I called him um, uh, Tiffany. Tiffany last time, and he emailed Tiffany. me about it. He, he emailed me, and he was like, hey, I heard that. I was like, oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, thank you guys so much for being Boneside Best Buds and supporting our show. Like I said, if you go over to Patreon and become a Best Bud, you get your name shouted out. We answer your listener questions. You become part of the Discord. We have a couple of Discord uh, tidbits to throw in today before we start critiquing uh, but before we get into those, I want to mention also that our editor, Matt O'Donnell, he makes us sound smart. He cleans up the audio and makes it enjoyable to listen to you. Go over to mattodonnell.com to fill out a contact form to start your own podcast show or audio engineering project with him. He is a set basis living in Nashville, Tennessee, and he is an all around awesome guy. That's my script. And that's O-D-O-N-N-E-L-L.com. So, yeah. And then also go over to underhillbonesidestore.com that's where i'm currently carrying the little things for bonsai people t-shirts we have a black shirt and a white shirt with two different designs uh awesome designs i have a limited number of them uh they are guaranteed comfortable because they are printed on comfort color t-shirts they're excellent they're 35 dollars uh and they will ship and i know i got a couple of questions about international shipping because we have a couple of listeners um, and, in, and in fact, Boneside Buds in Australia, I'm still sorting that out. I will get your shirts out to you as soon as I can, but I'm sure it's not that big of an issue. I've just been backed up. Um, and so let's let's hit a few things that were mentioned in the Discord. There was a couple of listener questions really quick. You got a second for that, Carmen? I do, as of a matter course. of fact. <laughs> there's, there's one in here for you, but uh, there's one for me first. I just totally missed these. I'm going to open nah. this now and look at it again. No, don't don't take this one too seriously. But mine is uh, <laughs> is I mentioned True Grow in another mm -hmm. episode. I was talking to Randy Bennett uh, back in the feature where we had him. We were talking about bald cypresses and uh, we were talking about soil aggregates and different types that we use. And one of the things that we're running at Underhill Bonsai is a soil aggregate. So it's called True Grow. It's harvested in Texas, and I know some people are trying to Google it and go find it and stuff. If they have heard me talking about it, it's more of a commercially ready product, and they don't really put it out there. So it's kind of one of those things where you have to have a wholesaler's account, and then you have to have a truck to load it up or have it delivered by freight or holler, holler or whatever you want to do. Um, so it's, it's, it's good stuff. And some people have told me it's a good haydite replacement. Um, as far as I know, it's only available in Underhill Bonsai Professional Soil Mix. So if you buy our soil, you can see it in person. It's a fine aggregate. I still think Akadama is better. Um, 
and it does because it doesn't really scale it doesn't break down but the reason why we had used it originally in our soil mix is because uh the the it was kind of doug's thought child to come up with this recipe and introduce this particle because it's used in rooftop gardens and also tight like urban planting spaces because of its water holding capacity and nutrient holding capacity. I think me and you've had this conversation before, Carmen, about this soil Probably. in the past. It's it's fine. It holds a lot of water and does not let go. Uh, so it's great for stuff that we grow here. But I fear that it might grow. It might hold a little too much water for stuff like Japanese maples and azaleas because they don't like to be super wet all the time. And um, but. The Japanese black pines fare with it okay, but yeah, you know, I still would say if we're not using it for a general mix and you want to move on to something a little bit more adjusted, we've had a couple of soil conversations in the past and we might break into another soil conversation episode later on. We've got plenty of episodes coming up, so it's inevitably going to happen. So I would just say, you know, go with what, go with what you feel like you need and then mix soils. And I guarantee you when you start mixing your own soils, you'll up your game. Um, yeah, I think the important thing to remember is that anytime you make a change in your soil, you're going to have to make an adjustment on how you water. And so there's going to be some kind of adjustment period for both you and your tree. So just, you know, go slow with it and pay attention. Um, but a lot of it, just, I think, has to do with watering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, watering is, I mean, it's and it's going to be regional. I mean, it's going to be, mm -hmm. I mean, we did a whole episode on watering not too long ago. So mm -hmm. go back and listen to that one. That one's super exciting. It sounds exciting as a it sounds it's actually got some good stuff uh we let carmen nerd out for a little while but uh, i like was i'm i'm i keep meaning to pull out my old uh books and actually like put together a science episode and be a real nerd about it yeah so yeah. that's coming even, up even more in depth even but, more uh, nerdy Woo! but another uh comment that i saw in the discord you're talking about some things that were being worked on the gardens and i saw somebody mention oh what's everybody working on today and then you said, I up-potted this beauty. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you uh, about your your garden cat plantings. How are those yes. going? Um, they're going pretty well. Uh, Vivian has forgiven me on, um, you know, giving her, you know, her, her insecticide, her flea medicine. And uh, she's back to following me around and being adorable. Um, yeah. She seems to like the larger pot. I mean, at least you're doing a preventative treatment right. on, on yeah. your bugs. Yeah. It's really, really important to be proactive, yeah. especially this time of year. You know, you want to get ahead of the problem. Yeah, especially on planted kitty cats. Oh, um, totally. Yeah. yeah. Be sure you you position your pots in the sun. You'll have a lot better success with your with your cats <laughs> and your pots if you put them in the sun. Sun really bathing will be optimal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Primo stuff here. Um, but yeah, so that those were a couple of things. If you... If you want to hear more listener questions, uh, bonsai best buds, uh, don't be don't be shy. Drop some stuff in there. Uh, just know that some things you guys say, if I think it's funny or if I think it's entertaining enough, don't uh, don't be surprised if I say something that I like, quote from the best the best buds. There's some great conversation in Discord <laughs> going on. Um, but yeah, and if you want to shoot me an email, if you don't want to be a best bud and you just want to hear a question, you can go over to um, your email and shoot me an email at evan at underhillboneside.com or you can go to Instagram and go to uh, the messages, the, the DMs, uh, slip into my DMs and drop me a boneside uh, question. I love that kind of stuff. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so we're going to get back into 
into critiquing trees, but this was a disclaimer I wanted to say before we started going on the last episode. Um, like I said, this is just constructive criticism. We are not at all saying that these are bad trees. We're not at all saying praising these trees for for things saying like, oh, this one should have been best in show, or this was, you know, so-and-so's tree. So we have to be careful. Like this is purely for the design and aesthetics and teaching bonsai, like the art of bonsai, viewing bonsai. This will improve um our listeners' thoughts and eyes for bonsai is what we're trying to do here is we're trying to get that point across. Mm-hmm. So uh one second. It's not personal, it's just business. Can you hear Caitlin playing Skyrim in the background? I cannot. Okay, good. All right. So let's look at let's get back into it. And also to mention uh we did have Mike on the previous one. That was a lot of fun, but Mike is currently traveling with uh Laurent right now. He's very busy. Um so y'all just give cut him some slack. No. Right. uh but yeah i wanted to so these images of these trees like before they will be over on the instagram page for little things for bonsai people they're going to be in order of of the uh of of how we're going to critique them and the first one is a uh is going to be the tall skinny juniper that's a juniper Mm -hmm. correct yes is it a is that the the Goshen species juniper? The the Femina? I yeah, think femina. so. I'm not I don't remember off the top of my head, but I think so. It's definitely a needle juniper. That's a needle juniper of some kind. Mm-hmm. And the Femina juniper, for those who don't know, that's that's uh John Nakas preferred Goshen species. Uh, but needle juniper, if you look really close to this tree, you'll see, I mean, they call it needle for a reason. It doesn't really get that compact little uh, scaly look or scale type foliage that you see on most junipers. It looks forever uh, juvenile. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, you know, I can go ahead and kind of give my initial first impressions of this, and then I'll pass it back to you. Um, I I I remember this is one that me and you got stuck on for a, for a while because mm-hmm. it we were kind of we kind of passed by it a few times but it really took uh it was on an end cap so it was kind of hard to kind of zero in on it because it didn't have any other trees to kind of pull you towards it but Mm -hmm. uh if you spent time with this tree in its area it felt the end cap made it feel even more isolated which i think is very appropriate for this design because the landscape pot the way that it's showing all that extra negative space gives you the isolation feel that I think the artist was going for here with it. Mm-hmm. Um, now the ratios are something to be a little bit like there's some consideration in how wide the crown is, but at the same time, so, and, and this is a reference I saw, uh, like Michael posted something earlier, Michael Hagedorn posted something earlier. He's, he did something about where's the, what is the crown? What is the top of the tree? What is the mm-hmm. kind of thing? And I think this tree kind of gives us that, those like, where is, what what do you call the top of this tree? Right. Um, which is an excellent discussion because I did a bonsai word of the, the day a little while back. And I was like, oh, it's, <laughs> it, it's all relative. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the crown of this, is I think it's very wide. And then when it, t- it comes mm-hmm. out, it does fill in. It does like the drip line does kind of hit to where almost to where the edges of this landscape container is. So it really takes up that space up yeah. there. And um, would you call this like a cloud 
style for its pads? I'm not. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the pads are very cloud like. I don't know what I would actually call this style mm-hmm. and that's overall. That's but... what was fun looking at it is we, could, we didn't have a defined style in mind. And I think that's one of the better things about bone size. If you can't approach this and say, oh, that's a formal upright, that's a slanting or that, you know, this is a literati because it's it's a little bit of all those things. Yeah, um, because the crown is not exactly over the base, mm-hmm. but it's also kind of unstable. But also the deadwood is not shown in a way that's that's proper to Japanese bone side because you're supposed to be able to see the live vein on either side of the uh the shari which is mm, i think as long as you see it on one side going into the ground you're good but it's like yeah this one there's almost that little spot where you almost don't see it mm-hmm. and that's perspective too the way mm-hmm. the picture was shot yeah the picture's not great but the the um the deadwood though is pretty prominent in, in comparison to the size and um and the, one of the things i kind of fear for this tree is that if someone's looking at this and they're they're kind of like, oh, you know what that is? That's a tanuki. And I would be like, mm-hmm. no, it, it isn't. But it could be that if you really. But if you looked at this tree up close, it was not. Um, right. So it kind of has that borderline back and forth between that. It's kind of playing around with that. I think the one of the only things that's kind of weird to me about this design, because I love the design. I love the space. I love the isolation feel. Um, the, the portion of the crown's a little off to me. I, f- I feel like it could be a little narrower, but mm-hmm. then the, the deadwood that comes off the top is very, yeah. very tall. I like that. And then you got this, but then you have this really skinny deadwood that comes from underneath that, like basically mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. the, the foliage mass. Yeah. That's very elegant and very beautiful. And I don't feel like, I don't feel like those match very well. Mm-hmm. If there was more deadwood pieces coming down in various places, and then that top had some elements suggesting that that would match the bottom, I think that would be very cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, overall, stand, pots, the way it's presented, I think it has this classical yet its own style of, of classical approach. So, yeah. Yeah, I think with this tree, I feel conflicted about it because not in a bad way just because i feel like when i've learned about skinny trunk trees usually you want really you know you want a foliage mass to match that but in this case you have a really skinny trunk and a really really wide um, canopy of the whole tree but because it's in that big long pot with all of that negative space it works um and so this is one of those cases where the pot balances out the tree. If this was in a little bunjin pot, it wouldn't work. You would have to severely reduce the foliage mass, but because it's in that landscape tray, it works. And the, the pot itself isn't super, you know, it's not deep, it's not heavy, it's a dark color, but that gives it stability. And the stand, again, it's not too clunky, it's not too heavy. Um, I think the pads and the negative space on this are, are really beautiful. It's a great example of how to how to use negative space to give you the shape of a tree. Um, and the directionality is, you know, very obvious and very lovely. And yeah, the thing that um, I almost want to see a little bit more of the live vein because mm-hmm. the tr- the deadwood feels very straight, but at the same time, that's kind of 
the point of this tree is to have that super straight trunk, but then this really gorgeous canopy. So I, I don't know that I would change very much about it at all. This was probably one of my favorite trees in the show. Um, hmm. and I'm not just saying that because I know who did it, but <laughs> like we said, disclaimer, we're not picking favorites um, here. <laughs> no, but I, I do just think this is a really beautiful tree um, mm. and a really classical look. Yeah. Just lovely. Um, So I, I think maybe one of the things that could kind of challenge this tree a little bit is if that, like challenging like the design a little mm -hmm. bit is, um. so you have that first branch that, that is the, the heaviest piece that comes down. Yeah. I think, and I was kind of imagining this and kind of cover covering up pieces with my hand. Mm -hmm. What if that branch wasn't there? Do you think that? I think you would lose the the age of the tree. I think having that really low, big branch that gives it that amount of weight makes it look old. And if you removed it, it would be too simplistic. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's that's just my opinion. Yeah, and I can something. See that. I would think I think would be fun with this is to do um, so Michael Hagedorn does this exercise with his students um, in his seasonal classes, uh, which are all the dates are posted if anybody wants to sign up. Um, <laughs> we <laughs> plug, can talk more about that uh, uh, towards the end. <laughs> yeah, but uh, one of the exercises we do is we have photocopies of trees out of the Kokofu books or whatever, black and white copies, and our, our challenge is to use whiteout to delete you know, mm -hmm. something to make the tree uh, a better fit for its pot or whatever. But what I would love to play with with this tree is like redesign it. Like, so imagine it was in a Bunjin pot and then mm -hmm. reduce the foliage mass to see if you can make it work as a Bunjin. Um, that way you could, you know, experiment with design on it, even though I, I don't think I would do that. I love it how it is. But just to play with the concept of the skinny trunk, you know, and what you usually do with a skinny trunk, uh, it would just be a fun, fun thing to do. So if you take a picture of your tree and you do a photo, a photocopy of it and you print it out, you're not mm -hmm. going to harm your tree by doing that. You're, right. you're going to have the opportunity to draw on, erase, white out. Um, you can even get yourself some, some construction paper and cut out shapes of bonsai pots and put it over it, whatever you want, have fun with mm -hmm. it. Um, make, 10 photocopies of your tree and or, or of this tree or any trees that you see online and play around with that because there's endless possibilities of what you can do with these trees. I mean, just because they're designed doesn't mean that's the finished result because like we've said in other episodes when we're a little bit more philosophical, bone size impermanent and it has to change mm -hmm. because it's constantly growing. Right. So yeah, the other thing I just a lot of times will take a picture on my phone and then you know, make a copy of it and then edit it right there on my phone, especially if somebody asks me, okay, well, what should I do with this tree? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll just, you know, scribble on it and send them a picture back and be like, what about this? And sometimes it helps. And sometimes it looks like I scribbled on a picture. Yeah. And, and that's, that's kind of the thing is like some of our listeners are not as tech savvy with mm -hmm. this, but uh, yeah, you could, you could just real time take the, this picture or a picture of a tree you have and then um, on the iPhone, I know it has the feature called markup. Yeah, and, and markup. Then, and then you go there, you get the the different style drawing things on there. And you can go in there and just, mm -hmm. I, I like using it to erase sections of a trunk and then draw branches mm -hmm. on. 
and then give myself like a, especially for deciduous, like give myself like an expected leafless stage yeah. and then draw the foliage on and kind of flicker back and forth between the photos to be like, uh, leaves naked, leaves naked, you know, like just to kind of, mm -hmm. just to kind of see, just to play around. So, right. Um, so that sounds weird. Leaves naked. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything, but don't do, don't do that. You should. You we're talking about trees like here people. yeah yeah we're talking about bonsai so um so yeah the next tree that i would like to talk about and here's here's the thing too is like um if you like if you're if you guys are uh, patreons and you're in our discord you can actually take these pictures of these trees and we can make like a separate thread and you guys mm -hmm. can like mm -hmm. draw on these images and give us feedback what you guys think for redesigns i think that would be really fun too uh yeah. super accessible we're on we're all we literally have super computers in our hands i mean it's totally doable um so but the next tree i want to talk about is this larch mm -hmm. um it's like in an egg is what you kind of yeah it's in like a like a bowl vase thing it's like erupting from this circular it's, it's a ball. ball and the it looks like someone took like the ceramic and peeled it back like not even like a banana it's like peeled back this <laughs> Can you imagine a bonsai coming out of a banana peel pot? Oh my God. Somebody a make me a banana peel pot. Crescent pot that is basically a banana. You I want know, a banana peel pot. It it's it's possible too. I, mean, I will pay you very little money, but <laughs> I will I will give you lots of notoriety. She will pay you in whatever apprentices make. Which I'll is... pay you in shout outs on <laughs> on this podcast. Yes. Uh, when I, I make money, I'll pay you. Sorry, continue. No, you can get like dwarf banana trees. Mm -hmm. as, Except like, an you accent. know that banana trees, they're not really trees though. They're herbaceous. Yeah. So you use that as your cosimono and then you get oh, stuff uh, yeah. like a banana velvet tree. underground uh, Alvin, album cover bonsai. Yeah. Um, oh man, too many ideas. Yeah. I went to the Andy Warhol Museum while I was uh, passing through uh, Pittsburgh and there was a whole velvet on uh, velvet underground display area where they had the the cover because Andy Warhol did that cover I don't know if you knew that mm, that was not. that was his thing and then part of it was it was like interactive cover so you could peel the, the peel off of it and it was like a pink banana underneath. <laughs> <laughs> I love Andy Warhol he's he such a quirky quirky artist um but yeah the this larch speaking of quirky this larch has a couple of things I think I don't I'm just gonna take a shot in the dark here, but I, it's not. I don't think it's too far, but I think this has something to do with like Nick Lenz, mm. or obviously a Nick Lenz influence. Uh, Nick mm -hmm. Lenz uh, passed not too long ago. I think it was a few years back. It was last year, the year before. Yeah, yeah. So there's been a lot of a lot of homage mm -hmm. uh, towards his designs. I, he was very a very uh, forward thinking. Just just use abstraction in your bone side just like mm -hmm. figures and sculptures and I, I this this tree shouts like a nick lens approach yeah. but they're trying to refine it at in a classical setting mm -hmm. um fun fact too is that we didn't really get to get a uh, get a picture of this but down inside the pot if you looked oh, up yeah. and down in next to the deadwood of the trunk um there was a face like a ceramic yeah. face i think i got a picture of a ceramic face that was in another one as well so mm -hmm. I'll see if I can find that. Maybe we can post it. Fun fact, that was in the Australian pine clump. Oh, you're right. And that was uh, Rob Kempinski. And he told me 
that he basically did that as a you know as a reflection of Nick Flint's work. So I'm that's why yeah. I'm kind of thinking because he was telling me about this treat. He was like, oh, he beat me to it. He put a mm. face in there already. I was like, well, you know, did Nick Lenz make those? I think. Okay. Maybe? Or he just put something like that in there. I don't, uh, we should talk about that Australian pine. That was beautiful. Well, I do have Rob uh, Kempinski on the roster to talk to him soon. So Ooh, um, nice. that that was his pine. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about like it because it. it was very interesting. It was. Um, but yeah, I, I love, okay. So here's the thing with this tree. I, was, I love the, the, the egg thing that it's coming out of the larch. Uh, and that's another little Nick Lenz thing. That was, he was very well known for using larch a lot. Um, mm -hmm. And so I love the, the, what's going on here. The stand, because we're in a, like a formal classical style show tells us that it wants to be that. Cause you have this wire stand underneath, which gives it this surrealistic like juxtaposition to it almost like it's floating yeah like it's pasted there in a weird way on this stand the stand could be something maybe if you, even if it was like a welded looking metal stand that looked like a mm. classical stand i think that would be mm. better if you could see rust or weld or weld joints on in there i think that would kind of elevate this display mm -hmm. and then the accent is just so mundane for a kusimono fur I love the accent on this one. It's a beautiful Kusumono. It's very well put together, but I don't, I feel like it doesn't like the tree is saying one thing, like it's trying to communicate mm. this, mm -hmm. this drama and this abstraction. And then the Kusumono is like very straightforward, like beautifully put together, yeah. very classical, but it just, but very it, classical. Yeah. yeah. But, but also, yeah, it, just, it is. yeah, it looks like, it's uh, Mondo grass and Stilegionella and like there's something else. I don't know what that stuff on the bottom, the fern looking stuff. That's yeah, that's the Stilegionella. Yeah, that that runs wild at the Boneside Nursery. We had one tree mm -hmm. coming with it and now it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that other stuff poking out of there. That's some it looks like some Mondo grass. But then yeah. I don't know what the the that's... other the broadleaf is. Yeah, I can't tell from here. I bet this looks really good whenever the mondo grass is flowering, and I bet you this mm -hmm. other thing flowers too. Yeah, probably. So, but I like it. Um, maybe the larch could be a little less flat and plain and give us more of, dimension. I think part of it is the photograph angle, but I, I remember seeing it there too and feeling like it was a little bit straight. And I'm just, I was wondering if maybe the angle that they have the pot at is a little bit off because it seems to me that if you changed where the front of that tree was just a smidge um i'm trying to think is it clockwise yeah if you moved clockwise on the tree mm. like 10 degrees or so it, mm. I, you could see a little bit more of the deadwood and a little bit more of the movement um so i think i don't know if it was placed not quite with the front as the front or if maybe we just need to change the potting angle a little bit, but I think you would have a little bit more of a dynamic tree with that. Um, and then I, I love the idea of this one and I, I like how it's trying to float, but I feel like the piece of wire is too heavy. So either the wire has to change or the stand has to change. And I'm not sure which there's like this one I feel is really innovative and almost there but it needs a like you were saying just a little bit more of a nudge to get there there's something that's not quite there yet i also think this is one that would benefit from 
twice the amount of space because right now the kusimono mm. is right under that branch and if you moved that a foot away or so, or even more it you would have you know more space the kusimono wouldn't feel so big um and i think the whole thing would just benefit from from having a wider display area yeah that was one thing i noticed at the show a lot of trees were really kind of squished up next to each other yeah I was going to mention that too. It's like, mm-hmm. I think there was somewhere around 300. Yeah. If you got rid of 10% of the trees and gave everything a little bit more space, it would have taken things up a notch, I think. Yeah. Especially for heavy directional trees like this. Um, right. For sure. Because, I mean, it feels like it could throw the viewer's eye very far. Mm-hmm. So it does, it does overreach the Kusamono, I agree. And then maybe yeah. there could be something like a three-point that would draw it more together uh, mm, as well mm-hmm. to help it like this. I think you're right about the accent, maybe something a little bit more dynamic or mm-hmm. even if it was a plant, something a little bit more subtle. Some, something, something either super minimalistic, like, mm-hmm. like a mound of moss with like, yeah, exactly. Like a rock embedded in it. Like it's mm-hmm. like a little crater pointing that towards the tree Mm-hmm. Or um or not a crater, a boulder the opposite. Mm-hmm. Or um a little figure or some kind of oh, little art piece would be yeah. neat. Something like uh like when Nick Linsel like he had that one tree that had like a tank wrecked into it, into a tree mm-hmm. in a forest. Mm-hmm. That something was fun. Yeah, something fun, something whimsical. Uh yeah. And I think also something exotic because maybe I don't know because this the larch versus the the kusamono. These the plants in this kusamono are more of your garden center species. Like yeah, you find they're them not anywhere. natives. They're not natives, and they're not also like super exotic. So mm-hmm. you know, you know, I haven't I've saw a lot of pictures, but mm-hmm. something I've never really seen is if we want to do like a cantilever kind of look, wouldn't it be fun if there was like a cantilever display, like the whole thing. And then on the Kusamona was kind of like floating as well. And it had the hanging pitcher plant. <gasps> oh my gosh. We're doing that. Wouldn't that be gnarly? TM, 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 TM. Yeah. Just in the future. <laughs> uh, when you guys are <laughs> trying to do stuff, don't steal my idea. I mean, Carmen's probably gonna run with it better than I am. Uh, no, I can- love that idea. That's great. Um, and we have them at our nursery, so I I don't know how like likely the survival of that Kusamono would be if the way that I'm imagining it, but that would be fun. That's something you can do it. I mean, yeah. one yeah. of the tropical pictures that with the hanging, yeah, totally. You should do it. And and if I were to do something like that, kind of like this larch, we'd do something a little out of the box, out a, a little you know, unordinary. Um, mm-hmm. So I and just one more thing about the container, and it's it's a beautiful container, but I feel like there should be more exposure to i want to see the soil line but you also yeah. were saying that the angle you took it at was a little weird but even could though the angle yeah or you could just take a hammer to that side and like yeah there you go make it wider and it Open would be it a little bit better because that's a really rugged tree and that's a really glossy smooth it was very shiny yeah. and i was almost saying like we could just because it's a de- deciduous conifer doesn't mean that we can't use uh, glaze containers i mean every once in a while mm-hmm. i'll i'll use a bald cypress with a glaze container but it's not at all glossy it's glazed with a yeah. subtle like yeah. um like one of my favorite things to do with deciduous conifers with bald cypresses is have like an ash glaze that has that drippy mm-hmm. murk look murky kind of weird look to it yeah that's always fun but it mat 
they they should be matte. So you know, yeah. But overall, uh, awesome tree, cool concept. Yeah, and a nod. I'm assuming a nod to Nick. So, Mm -hmm. um, so the next tree is a white cedar, Mm -hmm. and uh, if you look closely at the Cosimono. Oh, that's tongue fern. I thought there was pictures in there. Mm-hmm. I know I did too at first. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, that's a fern. Yeah, the tongue ferns. That's something that I've been trying to track down. I can't seem to find them anywhere. Mm-hmm. I really love tongue fern as a Cosimono. I think they're so awesome. They're te- they have good texture. They have they have interesting shapes. They they drape and they run in all kinds of uh, different ways that they, once they get older, they get that look and they mound up. I mean, that's one of the things that immediately, and I mean, it's also. Oh, there the, is a picture in there. I'm zooming in on it. There's a little picture there in the back. You sure that's a picture? Is that the back side of uh, the fern leaf? I think it's a picture, but maybe it is a fern. I don't know. Maybe, but yeah, like we can't see it, but, but you know, that could be one of those hanging pictures. It almost has that silhouette. Maybe mm-hmm. we're not too off, but you know, um, but yeah, that, this tree here the the directionality the placement it's also everything was a little close so this could be a little bit further from the Cosimono yeah. but this tree is like we were kind of going through the pictures earlier was like which ones are we going to look at you were like that white cedar let's talk about that because mm-hmm. it's it's near perfect it's really beautiful it's very very nicely done I have only a few things but the things that really knock it out of the park for me this on this one is the Cosimono mm-hmm. and the stand choice Mm-hmm. I wish was not rectangle because the stand's very rectangle, but mm. but the stand that it's on, oh god! If I could af- if I could afford to have that stand, stand in my collection, yeah, you could put any tree on that stand. It just will look, mm-hmm. it'll pop. Um, and then we go up into the tree, and there's a lot of things. But since you're a little bit more conifer heavy than I am, I want to kind of hear what you have to say before I kind of cl- like clunk around with the the concept of how this was built. Sure. Yeah, I I really love white cedars because they're native in the Midwest where I'm from. Um, and I've been seeing a lot more of them as bonsai lately and, or in the, you know, the last 10 years or so. And I think they make really interesting uh, Yamadori because you can collect them out of bogs and off of rock, cli- rock, rock cliffs, <laughs> rock outcroppings mm-hmm. and all kinds of things like that. And you've got some really cool, you know, deadwood and movement in these trees. Um, and I think this one's really well done. Uh, it's very dense. The You can still see the negative space between the pads, but he left it a little bit shaggy. Um, so you can really kind of get that wild feeling. I would mm-hmm. be curious to see it pinched a little bit more. But on the other hand, I like the little bit of shagginess because that's what they do in nature. Um, so I could I could go either way on that. I think the the deadwood is is very nice. Um, you can see the live vein really well. There's good movement in the trunk and in the deadwood. And I think what really puts this one over the top for me is the pot because the pot is like, it's almost too small, but it's not. And then it's mm. got those nice little cloud feet. It's it's like you see a lot of junipers in pots like this where the pot is heavy. And so it gives you that weight, but then it almost appears like it's floating because it has those little feet. Um, it's just a very refined look. And to see a tree that, you often see in the wild is something really gnarly and rugged and kind of, you know, not always this lush to see it this pristine and this well presented is just, 
really beautiful. Um, and I do love the kusimono with it, the little bits of red in there that kind of pick up the pot in the trunk. Um, mm, yes, I think it's just it's a nice combination overall. I think it's just a lovely, lovely composition. The um, the one thing that I kind of noticed because you were talking about how the pot feels like it is too small, but and then at mm -hmm. the same time, the way that it's put it's together. Like it's it's almost too small, but it's not. Any smaller would be too small, but mm -hmm. too much bigger would be too clunky. So it's it's right right there. It's very yeah. it's so that tension that it creates. Something that yeah, tension's a really great example for for uh how, how this feels. Yeah. Because of the off balance kilter a little bit, but yet balanced uh because of the dead wood kind of brings us back. But the one of the things I mentioned in the previous episode about presenting i mentioned that little tidbit about i had the art teacher that helped me kind of conceptualize uh presentation of even like mm -hmm. if, even if it's like a just a basic piece of outsider art um mm -hmm. you could if you clean it up and present it people are going to appreciate it for what it is yeah so i feel like this tree has that there's a couple yeah. of things that i see in it that i'm like I'm a little iffy on, but the way mm -hmm. that the stand is immaculate, it's polished, it's scratch free. It's, I mean, it is, I, I, you can tell by the way that this thing is constructed. This is a very, very nice stand, mm -hmm. um, hand built, handmade, everything. The pot is oiled up and there's no water stains. There's no, you know, it's obviously not a cheap piece of pottery. It's Japanese. Mm -hmm. Um, the kusimono looks nice and clean. Even the little bamboo shoots, they look like they have some age to them that's underneath the kusimono. Mm -hmm. But even that has a, it, it has enough wabi-sabi, but polish mm -hmm. at the same time. It's a weird, it's a weird thing to kind of say because the tree, the shagginess of the tree is, is simplifying the wabi-sabi and the, the mochikome of the tree. Mm -hmm. Um, so the, the way that you talk about the way you're like, I wish it was pinched a little bit for me, it's like this, it's like you get a haircut and when you're, you'll have your haircut for the first couple of, of, uh, of like the first mm -hmm. week and you can yeah, see, the, you can see the hard lines where the scissors <laughs> cut your hair. I get, I get, um, I get a fade sometimes. So you can see kind of the, the levels of the, of the shade of my hair, Yeah. but then the week after when it grows a little bit, then it has a little bit more of a grown in feel and it actually feels right. like it's supposed to. And that's the kind of thing it's and that goes kind of go to the thing is like being a bonsai artist, you're like a like a like a bonsai tree barber. In a way, it kind of feels like that with these like if this was laid out perfectly, mm -hmm. it would take it to like an artificial feel yeah. that I wouldn't right. like. Yep. You know, and Agreed. then it would bring out a couple of flaws in it that I see personally, but doesn't make it a lesser bonsai i mean this is amazing mm -hmm. I, like i heard some people walking around kind of looking at trees being like oh well maybe if this was shorter or maybe if this trunk wasn't so straight and then i hear this other person walk up um and say well i wouldn't mind it in my bonsai collection you know hear that <laughs> um but there's still things to look at so there's a few crucial things i have to say and i think we're coming back to the pot i think the stand could have mm -hmm. been a little bit a little bit smaller yep same Agreed. stand. I think if this stand could be shrunk, which is not possible. Because By like it's... an inch. Exactly. Because the yep. frame, you could see the bevel on the stand. That bevel should either encase your tree or it should encase the pot if your tree has a heavily pronounced movement like this tree does. That's that's not a hard and fast. Uh oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Stop recording. It's not a hard and fast rule, but it's just a 
aesthetic. It's a mm-hmm. Japanese aesthetic thing. And then the Deadwood has that big hole that you can see the backdrop through it. That's mm-hmm. that's awesome, but at the same time, it does kind of take away the stability of the tree. And part of me feels like the tree is is leaning just a little too much. But I mean, also, it's shaggy. It has that kind of hanging on the thread kind of look. That's kind of the intention. Mm-hmm. Um, as we come up the tree, like you said, the live vein dances with that deadwood up in there. It's beautiful, right? Under that canopy mm-hmm. on that first curve, you can see it where that live vein wraps around. Yeah. Um, and my last kind of thing that I'll take away from this tree is that the crown is a little too pointy. Mm, that's it, how it yeah. builds a good, it has a good steep fall off. Like the directionality is very nice and sharp, but I feel like it's a, if it yeah. was taken down, like if you hold your finger. Yeah. I was over just doing the, that. If you hold just a smidge, just a, a little bit more rounded, just come down just a little mm-hmm. bit. It yeah, would make, make it would make the directionality more subtle mm-hmm. and not as pitched. So, mm-hmm. you know, but, yeah, I think, oh, go ahead. No, no, I'm just saying, but that doesn't mean that this is a bad tree. This is a, this yeah. is a very fine tree. This is like a magazine cover worthy tree here. So, I, yeah, I think, <laughs> I think with like, if you were to pinch it just a smidge, you might be able to reduce that, that crown just to the, t- like it, the shape might be there. It might just be a little too like the the long bits from the shagginess sticking up but yeah i i agree it's a little bit pointy um but the hole in the trunk doesn't bother me because there's so much on the left side of that hole that like Mm -hmm. if there wasn't much over there i would feel like it was really unbalanced but because there's almost more width of deadwood and trunk over there it it doesn't it doesn't bother me, but um, I can see what you're saying with how a hole in the in the base there could make it feel a little bit more unstable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like I'm not saying you're wrong either. I'm just no, you no, know no, no, just no. opinion. No, like we were saying, these are these are all opinions. This is all you're wrong. <laughs> this is all um, subjective. So, so, uh, but yeah, the. I mean, closing remark on this tree overall, I mean, I feel like the artist wanted us to believe that he just lifted this tree from his boneside bench in his mm-hmm. garden engine and then mossed it. He but, probably did. <laughs> and, and maybe he did. You know, some, I mean, in that in a good way. Yeah. It's just so polished on the bench all the time. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. And some and sometimes people's trees have that that little bit extra polish that they need mm-hmm. to go into a show. But um, I do appreciate how it has that appearance of just being lifted from the bonsai garden and then cleaned up and mossed. But mm-hmm. I guarantee you this took a long time to even oh, get God, it to this look took like this. Yeah. yeah, to make it look this clean. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, next tree, if you're, if you have anything else to say. No more. I am done. Um, speak now or for ho- forever hold your peace on this tree. No. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But um, so the next tree is a Chinese elm. Mm-hmm. Um, this one has a lovely three-point display and had plenty of room, unlike some of the other it trees. Did that this one almost had too much room? I think it was pretty appropriate because so this is one of the things with three-point displays. Nothing, and it's just like making a forest planting. Nothing should have the same exact distance from each other. Mm-hmm. So that's done pretty well here. Yeah. Now, what is, did we find out what that Cosimono is? 
You know, I didn't ask, but hold on, I'm sending you a close up of the Deadwood. Um, okay. I didn't ask, but I think that we came to it being an impomia, so it's like a sweet potato vine. Yeah, that's what I thought. It has yeah. it has the growth habit of a sweet potato vine, but it has like a the the leaf is very unique. So I yeah, think... it's like a cut leaf. I'm gonna I'm gonna Google and see if I can find a cut leaf variety of of the. Yeah, it's really interesting. It, it was it's a it was a very good kusumono. It has a lot of uh, a lot of character, and the kusumono feels like it. If you had a good zoom in on that on that kusumono, um, you could almost say. Like it could have been displayed almost by itself in like a Kusumono show because it just mm -hmm. has that character. Uh, but my opinion on the way that this is something I mentioned about another tree earlier is that uh, the the shape. So this is like display one hundred and one. That's what this is what I've learned. The pot that the bonsai is in and the Kusumono is in should be different styles. <laughs> this one they have two round ones so um and then also your kusumono and your bonsai should also have their own stands that are variants so th that's i mean there was a lot of bonsai on display with with their accents and they all had the variants and stands and stuff that's all you know i think even with the show like there might have been one tree that wasn't on a stand which i felt felt to be a little awkward but everything had a stand and the kusumonos all had stand that's that's kind of a a general rule, uh, general rule um, that we're supposed to follow when we display trees, and and that's that's a formal. And then your scroll, the scroll on this is actually very well proportionate. It's a uh, I learned a little bit of about bone size scroll displays. There's um I wish I could remember her name. You might know her, but she specializes in um like orientals uh display mm. pieces like stuff that would go in your uh tokonomi that mm -hmm. wasn't bonsai like uh family keepsakes scrolls uh fine pottery stuff like that and uh the scrolls the scroll sizes were different there's a name for this size i'll have to research it i'm sure somebody in the discord uh, of our best buds will probably be like oh this is what you were trying to say and if you do that's that's great uh, we'll we'll say it again, but this this display features a little frog sitting on a branch. I think that's mm -hmm. adorable. Um, but th this is a proper display scroll size. Um, I actually had to get some custom made pieces for some for some cutouts. So if you look at the scroll really close, there's a little threads that hold the actual painting in the scroll hanger, um, and that can be changed out. So you if you get yourself a proper scroll like the actual I, I wish i knew the name but you and then you can get the inserts and you can mm -hmm. change this out and it makes it really fun because you can show the season mm -hmm. um so overall i love what's going on here and the um the chinese elm i've seen a couple of semi-cascade chinese elms uh my friend my good friend dawn ketting has one in her own collection as well it's very similar to this tree um hers is more full she's got a bigger much bigger branch she comes down it's it's basically a full cascade and there's another thing too it's semi because the entire foliage mass is still above that rim of that mm -hmm. pot it's it's breaking the the trunk line uh and the trunk line and the foliage mass is breaking the rim but it's not full so the stand is a little bit of a full cascade looking stand but not nearly as tall so 
yeah I, and as i inspect this tree closer i was say i was mentioning this to to uh to you carmen when we were looking it over i was like this is reminiscent of something that i've seen harry harrington do when he carves mm. out a stump i've seen him do this on a big english elm where he'll get that big blunt chop and he carved it out and looks like a little mouth and you, you sent me a uh, close-up we're gonna have when you guys look at this on the instagram you'll see this elm and then you'll see the picture that that is it's going to be next but i don't think it's carved this looks like it rotted out if you look at the deadwood close yeah i don't think this was carved i think this was, this was a natural difference. yeah this yeah is, it's very very uniquely approached mm -hmm. so yeah just different different pot for the kusumono i think the post the oh god i think the kusumono um shined and i think that was probably maybe the artist was like this is the best kusumono right now i like this a lot you know what this doesn't look too bad uh the yellows of the kusumono don't directly match the tree either so it's eh, it's it's okay it's a great kusumono but i feel like it could have been a little bit different of a choice there and then the padding on this tree is not very deciduous it's a little bit more conifer shaped mm -hmm. i would have loved to see more deciduous wavier branches coming out longer and longer sections and also more uplift mm -hmm. yeah i think this is a really um cool tree and i i really love the deadwood feature on it and i think that as far as the the pads on it go that the it needs a little bit more growth up top a, a rounder crown to match you know the thickness of the trunk there and then um just a little bit more pad development so give it like you know five more years and just kind of round out those pads maybe extend the lower pad a little bit um because it doesn't really feel in proportion to the trunk or maybe the shape is off but i agree with i love the tree i love the kusumono but i don't know that they go together i think the kusumono might be too big for this display mm -hmm. um so something a little bit smaller, more subtle, because I feel like this one kind of takes away from the tree and the scroll, which are very clean and orderly, and the, the kusumono is a little bit more wild. But I love the idea of using sweet potato vine. I love the potted sin, um, just maybe not all together. I think the mm. scroll is really fun. You don't see a lot of frogs on scrolls. So um, I really liked I really liked that a lot. And we didn't really see, there were some scrolls, but not a whole ton. So it was nice to see a very traditional scroll. Yeah um yep. the, i like little little fun animals you don't see on scrolls like i got one for myself and i think this is perfect because it would do like the cajun uh the, like the bald cypress display and i went i found one one with a shrimp on it Ooh, and it's just be fun it's just a shrimp yep and he's just at the nice. bottom um and i'm just like oh i never have i never imagined i could find this i had to buy it <laughs> so yeah but like little frogs like this or mice. I've seen mice. Oh my I've God. I've seen mice. They're I love so the mice cute. ones. Um, mm -hmm. I think there might've been a mouse one at this show. I think um, there might've been. Yeah. But as we play around more with it, because we, we do have people who are starting to appreciate the Kosamono aspect and the scroll aspect more and get it together. Um, and I, I hope to see more and more playful creative displays like this but yeah the kusumonos the the size of, even the size of the leaf chinese mm -hmm. elm is like it's got these little tiny like almost rice size yeah. kind of leaves so tiny sometimes. and refined yeah and you got this big clunky yet kind of 
just like sprawling Kusumono that it, and for for a semi cascade maybe the Kusumono could have been like uh like maybe a, a jasmine like the the uh mm-hmm. Asian jasmine just kind yeah. of like creeping across the floor towards it mm, that would be nice yeah with like a fern popping out I mean that that's just my imagination mm-hmm. running wild because you need low and high elements and this mm-hmm. Kusumono is trying to play both acts it's trying it's trying to play the the role of the high element in the pot and the low element that's something that i remember uh young show would tell me with uh with with designs on that and you can hear her mm-hmm. say this on videos that she's done in the past online instructional videos it's supposed to be a high and a low element and a kusumono mm-hmm. and this it's this is trying to do it's trying to uh carry the weight of both of those elements and then it like carmen you were saying like it kind of just dominates that space a little much yeah so yeah. but uh yeah, let's let's talk about this last tree lightly for a moment. It is mm-hmm. a little controversial, but there's there's a few things I would like to say about it. Uh, mm-hmm. Then we'll be wrapping up. But uh, last on this tree, this this last one is a silverberry. Um, this one I know had a lot of people back and forth. It's kind of like that the last tree that we did on the previous episode. Where mm-hmm. we were all kind of indifferent. Me, you, and Mike were all kind of like, eh, 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 you know, kind of back and forth. Mm-hmm. This one, I love this tree. I, I love everything about what's going on. There's just a few things that I would do, I feel like would really up the the game on this tree. Um, the accent. This is the one of the first times I saw I saw an accent, it kind of fell short on me. I was just like, I didn't get it. I was a little, eh, I don't know. Like I'm I think it's a little too direct. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like the there was this I've seen it a couple of times. There's the like the apple trees. You'll see the crab apple or something yeah. or like um what's the other apple with the really yellow apples? There's that one. It's like a pear mm-hmm. apple or something. Oh, like uh, a like an Asian pear or a quince. Yeah, or something like that. And then you'll see people they'll do uh the artist will take like a little barrel or a basket and they'll put the apples in there mm-hmm. as like a cute little like hey this is a reference to like uh orchid collecting or what you know orchard collecting mm-hmm. and you're like oh that's cool it's on the nose but it it brings the sense of that playfulness that i like to see in bonsai this one is a little uh, i don't know uh it's like i think a bird. about the little berries at the base of the bird i'd like it better if it was just the bird yeah because but... um the silverberry is a olive variety mm-hmm. plant and it makes it literally will flower and make little olives Mm, so the mm-hmm. berries that's why the berries don't make much sense to me yeah if this tree was flowering and had some different elements going on i think it would elevate it um so i i want to talk about the strong points in this design for me personally the reason why it draws me that pot because i've seen <laughs> i've seen the the wide lip pots the, the lips that come out really far and they're flat but mm-hmm. i've never seen one that looks like an accordion or a book opening it's mm, just mm-hmm. it's crazy looking but i love it and i feel like there's so much more to be had with this the textural designs it looks like something you would see in like a regular modern art museum just sitting there without the tree in it but if it had the tree mm-hmm. in it if it was on just a regular pedestal it would be something more than bonsai it would be more of like an art piece kind of feel and less bonsai because this it feels like it's it's approaching bonsai but it feels like that experimental art piece that's almost bone side to me mm-hmm. um i think one of my biggest takeaways from from this tree that i would like to see not a takeaway but one opinion more 
is that those branches had a lot more playfulness to them. Like if you wired it and gave it lots of radical movement or maybe a windswept look or give it something unpredictable. Cause if the pot's unpredictable, the species is, I mean, silverberries are used a lot in bonsai, but silverberries used in like this, like a big bulky, weird, twisty trunk. And then you get these, these straight sections and they're more even further exemplified by the fact that the branches are straight and uninteresting. It just, I, I feel like there could be more, like make that crown come out and go crazy. Have an unconventional silhouette, something that would really make the pot make more sense. Uh, that's I love it because there's, there's so much potential. And then mm -hmm. the stand, it's kind of like we were talking about with that, that large earlier with the egg thing, the stand is this stand's not even close. It's, it's, it's a good stand. It's a, it's a beautiful stand, but if you're going to go bold, go all out, like put this thing on a big compressed old rusty chemical barrel. Like I saw one time at a Europe European show, um, put this thing like on a pile of, of miscellaneous scrap metal pieces or something, just something radical, something weird. It's a, uh, I know in the past in the show, they also had a juniper. I think I told you about this. Did you ever see this tree, uh, where they had the, the deadwood on the juniper was painted chrome? No, I did not see that. And then they went all the way with it. So they painted this big dramatic piece of deadwood chrome with chrome spray, spray paint. The mm. stand was welded and it was painted hot, hot, hot rod red. And then it had for an accent, like there wasn't a scroll, but there was mir little glass mirrors, like little dots. Hmm. And then I can't remember what the accent was, but it was also just as like unconventional. That's going all the way. This, there's more, you know, in my opinion. So uh, what do you think, Carmen? Um, Hold on a second. Uh, so I think that... I would I would caution about going too far with some of these because I like the things that are like one step away. And so here's there's an unconventional pot. I don't know that I would want to go too much more unconventional with the rest of it because it might go too far. It, it would really have to depend, I think, on the pieces that we're um, putting it with. But I like the pot and the stand together. The shape of the tree is when I'm seeing it in silhouette i like the shape of the tree i just wish it was two or three times as big i feel like the pot is way too big for this tree mm -hmm. um and that the tree itself is a little bit underdeveloped it just needs more time to develop its branching um but i i think the pot is really interesting and i just don't know that this tree is the right one for that pot but i i like i like the pot i like the stand um maybe even a because you know i didn't see it as a storybook but once i like when you mentioned it looked almost like a book opening i was like oh okay so then you would kind of imagine you know this whimsical fairy tale tree like kind of the perfect tree coming out of it so that's hmm. i like the idea of you know a very classical deciduous shape coming out of it but i think it would also be cool to do like maybe not a bunjin but something kind of rough maybe bunjin-esque um out of it too would be would be really neat um but yeah. i i think it's a really cool pot and i like that it's a little bit different but it's not super different and i think that I'd, I'd love to see more of this kind of thing moving forward yeah you, and you mentioned the pop-up uh the the storybook thing 
uh, mm -hmm. we were talking about super like just just like going straight art with it and you wanted to do like the shadow on the wall behind the stand thing mm -hmm. uh but then what if there was like another one that was that had this pot and it was just a pop-up bonsai like paper cut pop-up <laughs> that would be fun pop-up would... bonsai what if you could flip through the book and it was all these different paper pop-ups of yes. bonsai that would be oh, fun my... very intricate but you would have to be a pop-up book engineer to get all that yep. right <laughs> anybody do pop-up books i have a collaboration for you <laughs> yeah i have a uh pretty tedious work for you to undertake because we have yeah. no experience in it <laughs> no experience with pop-up books or making bones out of paper but but who doesn't love pop-up books yeah that would be great i would buy that book yeah so yeah let's uh let's let's move it towards the end here um if you've listened this far into the episode, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, after this episode, we're going to move back to our reg regular scheduled programming. We're going to do uh, probably a styles or if we get lucky and we can get one of our guest artists coming up. I know that we have uh, Rob Kempinski. I might try to get him next. Um, there's also David Easterbrook. Might try to get him as soon as Ooh. I can as well. Um, also, we might have the Bonsai Time guys. Uh, Ooh, Bonsai Time guys. Yeah. Yeah, we can. I talked to them not too long ago and they want to schedule out. It's going to be a little bit further out, but they will be coming in the future. Um, yeah, it's going to be a fun time. And so uh, just to do some shout outs at the end here, um, if you can, if you want to, you can go over, like we said, go over to Patreon forward slash little things for bonsai people and uh, go become a $5 patron, get into our discord, get your name shouted at the beginning of every episode. And also you can go over to underhillbonesai.com. Go check out my blog posts. I updated my gallery recently. So there's a handful of trees in there that I feel are comparable. They're nice little, you know, displays. I'm going to go look at them. Yeah. Don't, don't judge. I'm, I'm trying to go through, I'm trying to go through my personal collection and take more of my trees and put them on there for people to, to see them. Um, and then you can go over to underhillbonsaistore.com. Like I said, the little things for bonsai people t-shirts are there available for sale and for shipping. And then we also were an online nursery. We have our stock and our tools and our wire and our pots. And, uh, we just got a bunch of willow pots to, uh, from South Africa, a very high, high end, nice bonsai pot producer that sorts, sells his pots at unbelievable prices. They're very, very affordable, just really great stuff over there. And then you can go over to um, to Instagram and check out Underhill Bonsai and uh, see what we got offerings over there. Uh, I know we have some workshops I'm trying to gear up for really soon here in the in the uh, in Louisiana. If you're in Louisiana or in the Gulf Coast area, um, you can come check that out. And also, I'm looking to book out stuff for next year. So uh, if there's bonsai clubs or if you guys are looking for private work, I, I do that in the Gulf Coast area. That's going to be the southeast of the United States zone. It's going to be easiest on my life. Uh, but for Carmen, uh, go check out her stuff at. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Becoming Bonsai. I'm also on the Facebook. Uh, the you can check out the Facebooks. <laughs> you can check out uh, my teacher, Michael Hagedorn's work at Critagus.com. Um, and oh, check out the National Women's Bonsai Group, the Purple Pot Society at thepurplepotsociety.org. We're also on Instagram and Facebook as well. I'm and you member, know what? I should probably throw this out there. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be. Oh, I was just going to say I'm. I've got about a year left in my apprenticeship, so I guess I could. I could technically start looking at at booking some stuff for 2025. So, 
Yeah. Uh, I got to get a website set up or something so that people can do that. But yeah, if you want to chat about um, workshops, demos, presentations, whatever, you can shoot me a, a message through Facebook or Instagram. Yep. And uh, you did mention that Michael has the the intensives and you can go over to cartigas.com and you yep. can sign up there, I'm assuming. Yeah. Shoot Michael an email. Uh, if you go under the offerings, um, seasonals are under there. And I don't know if we're booked for fall yet, but we've got um, fall coming up in October. And then next year we have two or three winter sessions, two springs, two summers, and then two falls. Yeah. So, um, sign up now. I've done a seasonal over there. It's awesome. It's definitely worth going out and seeing the collection is if you've never seen Michael's collection before, it's overwhelming. And then you get, and then he puts a tree in front of you and he's like, all right, you get to work on this one. And you're just like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it, but it's, it's a really great immersion. It'll get, it it'll really up your game. Um, and then, uh, I know that we had some, some takes in the, um, for the patrons over at the discord, there's the cutting challenge. I did not forget about the cutting challenge. I did. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to do some more posts in there. We're going to look at our trees and see what progress we've made so far. Uh, so for our patrons, go check it out. We'll go into the, um, the cutting challenge. I'll post some stuff, probably the release of this episode. You'll, you'll see a little bit of activity in there and I'll be asking for some shout outs for our patrons to do, uh, to do some updates and kind of move that, uh, push that, that ball up the hill a little bit with the, the, uh, the cutting challenge. So, but yeah, this, it's always fun talking about bone sign critiquing them. This has been great. So mm -hmm. we get, we will catch you guys on the flippy side. Is that how you say it? The flippity flop. The flippity flop. Thank you. Get you on the flippity flop. Catch you on the flip side. All right. <laughs>